This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. From coast to coast and around the nation, this is the Washington Ledger Podcast with your hosts, Larry Leese and Jacob Siegel. Each week, we dive into the latest news surrounding us. Welcome to the Washington Ledger. I'm your host, Larry Leese. On today's episode, we're, of course, diving into the 2022 midterm elections. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible is a massive library of audiobooks from every genre. You've got everything from the latest bestsellers to those old classics you've always wanted to read, but just never got around to it. And they've got a huge range of genres, romance, mystery, sci-fi, fantasy, uh, political, whatever floats your boat. It's super easy to get started with Audible too. All you need is an internet connection, a smartphone, tablet, computer. You can listen at home, at work, on the train, during your commute, while you're walking the dog. You get the picture. It's basically endless content for endless moments in life. So, if you want a three, free three-month trial, a free audiobook of your choice, head on over to audibletrial.com slash Larry21 for 10% off your order. And as always, before we move on, give us a thumbs up if you like our video, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell notification button, be notified of uh, future videos. And now on to today's topic. The red wave that wasn't. This is five takeaways from a disappointing night for the GOP. Donald Trump's favored candidates prove a drag to Republicans running well behind others in their party. There was no red wave. Republicans, though still poised to take the House, underperformed, while Democrats breathed a huge sigh of relief. It was a good night for Joe Biden, and a miserable one for Donald Trump. As we can see, Trump is damaged goods. Trump is still the dominant figure in the Republican Party, and he'll be the favorite to win the GOP nomination for president if, as expected, he runs again. But Trump, Trump's place in the party is far weaker after Tuesday. Truth is, if not for the former president's interventions, the night could have gone better for the GOP. Just look at how the most Trumpy candidates fared in states where more traditional Republicans were on the same ballot. In Georgia, Herschel Walker was locked in a neck-and-neck contest with Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock. Governor Brian Kemp, whose resistance to overturning the 2020 results infuriated Trump, easily defeated his opponent, Stacey Abrams. In New Hampshire, Republican Don Bolduc lost to Senator Maggie Hassan in a race that didn't even look close. While Governor Chris, uh, apologies, can't pronounce the guy's last name, 
who once referred to Trump as, quote, fucking crazy, cruised to re-election. Trump's preferred candidate in Ohio, J.D. Vance, did better, beating Democratic Representative Tim Ryan by a comfortable margin in the state's U.S. Senate race. But he came nowhere close to the margin that incumbent Governor Mike DeWine, a more traditionalist, Republican put up. In Arizona, it was still early with only about half the expected vote in, but Carrie Lake was running behind Kitty Hobbs. Even if she comes back to win, it will be a closer race than political professionals of both parties had predicted. And a more traditional Republican, Karen Taylor Robson, made it through. <clears throat> uh, veteran Republican strategist Chuck Coughlin said on TV, quote, I mean, come on, this should have been a walk in the park for Republicans. If Karen Taylor Robson was the gubernatorial nominee, it would be an ass-kicking this cycle. But we just have such poor candidates who don't appeal to a broader base. Besides, this is a non-presidential cycle which tilts against the White House and against the party in power. That's not going to be the case in a presidential cycle. Trump doesn't have the wind at his back anymore. Ron DeSantis, the Republican governor of Florida, and a potential rival to Trump, won re-election in a 20-point landslide. In 2020, Trump carried the state by just more than three percentage points. Biden has a calendar problem. With Tuesday looking a lot better for Democrats than expected, it's possible we'll see some rallying around Biden. Presidents who suffered much more punishing midterms went on to win second terms. So give Biden his due, but it's hard to argue that Democrats overperformed on Tuesday because of Biden rather than in spite of him. His approval rating, hovering around 41%, is dismal and has been all year. He'll turn 80 this month, and earlier this year, a majority of Democrats polled had said they'd prefer someone else to be the party's nominee. But one thing Biden did have going for him was the calendar, and the reluctance of Democrats to do anything that might hurt him. And by extension, the party, ahead of the midterms. That imperative is gone now, and though no prominent Democrat is likely to run a serious campaign against Biden, there will be increasing pressure on him, especially from the left, to step aside. And it's already happening. On Wednesday, in an effort described to Politico, a left-wing group that worked in 2020 to persuade progressives to support Biden will begin airing digital ads in New Hampshire highlighting Biden's extremely low approval rating and depicting him as a weak incumbent. Uh, we cannot risk losing in 2024 is one part of an ad that's from rootsaction.org's Don't Run Joe campaign, where they also say we shouldn't gamble on Joe Biden's low approval rating. Next up, extremism is a democratic issue too. All year, and especially in the closing days of the campaign, Democrats cast themselves as a mainstream alternative to the ex excesses of the GOP. Despite the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the hundreds of election deniers Republicans put on the ballot, voters on Tuesday did not appear to see it that way. In a preliminary exit poll about equal proportions of voters said Democrats and Republicans were too extreme. The exits mirrored a poll released just before the election by the center-left group Third Wave found voters viewed Republicans and Democrats as similarly far from the center. It hurt Republicans that abortion ranked high on voters' list of concerns just behind inflation. And some of the most prominent Republican election deniers went down, including Doug Mastriano, 
and like might lose in Arizona, which few political observers expected. But it's not as though Democrats were viewed by voters as the reasonable party. party part of that had to do with crime, all across the map, using grainy black and white images and CCTV footage of crimes in progress. Republicans ran ads yoking Democrats to defund the police, bail reform, and rising crime rates. It didn't work everywhere, and it didn't work as well as Republicans had anticipated. But the legacy of defund the police is still getting in Democrats' ways. In North Carolina, Sherry Beasley, former state Supreme Court justice who was savaged by Republican advertising on crime, lost to Representative Ted Budd in the U.S. Senate race. And in Wisconsin, it was only after the Republicans began airing ads depicting Mandela Barnes as extreme on crime that Senator Ron Johnson overtook him in the polls. Johnson was leading Barnes by a narrow margin late Tuesday. And the Democratic map fails to grow. And a reasonably good night for Democrats overall, the party's biggest loss may not have been a candidate at all, but geography. Yes, Democrats defended significant parts of their 2020 battleground map, but it was a different story in two big states that Democrats have reached for years to compete in. Republicans wiped Democrats off the map in Florida, a one-time swing state where DeSantis clobbered his Democratic opponent, former Governor Charlie Crist, and Senate, uh, Senator Marco Rubio did the same thing, same thing to Representative Val Demings in his re-election bid. It was the same thing in Texas. Governor Greg Abbott blew out Beto O'Rourke. In his closer-than-expected Senate run in Texas four years ago, O'Rourke had embodied Democrats' expectations that someday soon, demographic shifts in Texas would turn that state blue. Instead, he was running more than 10 percentage points behind Abbott by the time the race was called, while Democrats were verging on being swept in statewide contests in the state. Given those results, it's going to be hard for Democrats in Texas and Florida to argue that their states will be in play anytime soon. One Democratic strategist who advises major party donors described the two states late Tuesday as giant money sucks. Republicans and McCarthy are in for a tough two years. The math is still on the side of Republicans taking the House, and the political problem confronting a party anytime it gains power is that it will be expected to govern. But it's going to be even more complicated for Republicans than usual. For one thing, hardliners in the Republican conference will now be a part of the majority. No longer will the Marjorie Taylor Greens or Matt Gates of the GOP be tweeting in the wind. For Kevin McCarthy, the likely future speaker that will make governing difficult, so will his party's underwhelming performance on Tuesday. He set expectations much higher. House Republicans are preparing to unload next year with a raft of investigations, including the business dealings of Biden's son, Hunter Biden, the coronavirus response, and the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. McCarthy will also have to contend with calls from within the party for impeachment proceedings against Biden. Uh, uh, one Republican strategist said on um, late night news, let the investigations begin. It's going to be brutal. It may backfire on Republicans too, which is what Democrats are banking on. Once they're in charge of something, they own it, and these Republicans are the most extreme political party in the history of the country. And they will do things like national abortion bans, said one Democratic consultant. These folks, they're running every red light. 
Let us know your thoughts on the 2020 midterm election results in the comments section below. As always, find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search the Washington Ledger. And subscribe to the channel. Give us a thumbs up. And let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Washington Ledger Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The W Ledger and like us on Facebook. If you like what you hear, join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash The Washington Ledger. And as always, have a great week.